Hi, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. You are listening to the Revival Fire podcast with Dr. Debbie Rich. You can find her on social media at Debbie Rich Ministries or check her website out at DebbieRichMinistries.org. Now, get ready to receive all that God has for you and enjoy the podcast. We know it's God's will to heal all today because of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. He told us that everything he did, everything he said, was to show us the expressed exact will of the Father. He said, I never do anything apart from him. I only do what the Father tells me. So anything that we see Jesus doing, we know is exactly the will of the Father. We don't need to walk around asking somebody else, what is his will? He says, go to my word. It's right there. Look at what my son said and did. That is my will. Don't go around asking anyone else. So we're talking about the will of the Father this morning. You know, we have to overcome centuries of false doctrine to get to the truth of the word. In fact, for the next several sessions, the Lord has really been talking to me the last few days about how strong tradition and religion can be. Even those of us who are ministers of the gospel, even those of us who grew up in good churches as I did and had the privilege of attending great Bible schools. And I don't care who you are. If we really explore everything we say, everything that comes out of our mouth, everything that we believe, we'll find out that mixed in with the truth of God's word, there's still some uh, many streams of religion and tradition and what somebody said, somebody's opinion, what they used to say at my church, what they used to say in the old song that has colored our doctrine. And many times it's not even founded in the word of God. I heard a story about a lady um, a, a few years ago that when a minister was trying to help her and tell her what the word of God said, she actually said, well, Sonny, that sounds good. But to me, it's just like what the old song says. And then she began to, to sing a song that uh, supposedly a church song that those particular lines had nothing to do with the truth of God's word. It was religion and tradition. And the interesting thing is there were other lines in the song that have word in them. You know, it's been said, if you want to poison a dog, you don't just pour some cyanide in a bowl. He's going to smell that. He's going to know better. What do you do to poison a dog? You put some, a little bit of poison, um, and in the middle of some good, tasty, wonderful smelling meat or something where that dog goes, oh, look at that steak. Look at that hamburger. I'm going to go for that. Even if he thought he might smell something for a second, he is more overwhelmed by the good smell on top of it. And unfortunately, the enemy of our souls and of our spirit and of our body has been clever enough to know well, if I just walk up to a Christian and say, God's not real and God can't heal, they're going to know better. But if I have somebody preach it that they respect, or, or if I put a line of doubt and unbelief in the middle of a hymn or a song that has other lines of faith in it, they're going to swallow the whole thing. You know, when I was growing up, um, I used to love to, the, to sing on the worship team. And, and in fact, I ended up playing the piano in our church. And I just love those old courses we grew up with. Now I have had to rethink 
and ponder. And there are still some good ones that we need to bring back into the church. There's powerful old songs that almost nothing compares to today. There's power in the blood and nothing but the blood of Jesus and, and many that I could name, powerful songs. But there's also other ones. Farther along, we'll know all about it. Tempted and tried all the day long. <laughs> Cheer up, my brother. Live in the sunshine. And, and there's songs about someday in the sweet by and by it'll be better. But right now I got to go through the mud, go through the flood. I'm just an old dud. <laughs> you know, and, and songs about just give me a little tiny little cabin. And that, that's, that's all I need. Just, you know, I'm, I'm poor and I'm getting... Some of those songs sound like a country music song, only they've added a Jesus word here and there. You know, it's been said that um, a good country Western song, if you do back masking on it, guess what happens? You get your dog back, you get your wife back, <laughs> you get out of prison. But unfortunately, even some of our songs I grew up with, and this would be people's testimony as they sang it. And I know this is quite a backdrop today, but I'm getting a point across about tradition and religion that poisons us when it comes to healing. But I, I can remember people would get up to sing and this would be their countenance. It's been a hard week. It's been hard. I wish I had a Pentecostal handkerchief here to do this right. It's, the devil's been after me all week, bless his holy name. They forget, they can't remember if they're talking about the Lord or the devil. And they, they're giving the devil so much credit, they might as well say, bless his holy name. And you know, everything we've done has been hard. And since I got saved, little Susie fell out of the car and broke her arm. And Timmy came down with the chicken pox and we're dying. And the lawyer says we ought to make out the will, but we don't have enough money to it. Pray for me that I might hold on to the end. And this song, and, and by the way, I can't sing. I don't have a good voice. Uh, but, you know, God's going to use me anyway. I hope this blesses you. Just ignore the screeching. And then the words to the song are, you know, everything's bad. And, yeah, but we're hanging on to the end. And, and by the time they're done, you're going, oh, oh, can I make it? I mean, I don't know if any of us can make it. And people call that faith. And that's and really, that is just crying in our beer, only in this case, it's crying in our Bibles kind of music. And, and they, they call that faith because they added one little sentence on the end of, pray that I can hold on to the end. They ought to be saying, <laughs> they ought to be saying, I have the victory. I'm an overcomer. That doesn't mean that stuff didn't happen this week. Dear Lord, no. <laughs> but you still come back with his word is true. Jesus is true. His blood is true. We have the victory. We, have, we are more than conquerors. Greater is he who lives on the inside of us than he who's in the world. You come back with that no matter what is going on. But when we sit around and listen to all that stuff, it begins to color our theology. Pretty soon our doctrine begins to, to be what somebody said, what happened to great aunt Martha instead of what the word of God says. We have, we must <laughs> come back to the word of God. And that's what this whole series is about. Not what Debbie says, not what a preacher says, not what an old song says. <laughs> I was sitting in a restaurant time with a, with a, a group of people from a church and somebody was talking about what the Word of God had to say. And my mouth dropped open. I was much younger than I am now. I'd be bolder today. 
But when this other person was saying what the Word of God says, you know what a man at the table said? He said, well, I've been saved a good number of years, and I'm not even good at reading. I don't care what that there book says. I know what I feel. I don't care what that book says. I know how I feel. That takes precedence over that book. doesn't matter what you tell me. It says, I feel it should go this way. Wow. We have tons of that mixed into our pulpits, mixed into our music. In fact, there... <laughs> Wow, I'm really on a roll here today, I guess, because the Lord's really been talking to me about how if, if faith is going to come by the Word, we've, I've, I've got to help you and I both have all religion and tradition eradicated in our life. Amen. Jesus told the Pharisees, He said, there's one thing stronger than the Word, if you let it be. That wasn't His exact wording, but you'll get my point in a moment. He said... Your religion and your tradition has made the Word of God of no effect. Wait a minute, I thought the Word's more powerful than anything. He's saying it, it will be if you allow it to be, but if you don't allow it to be, he says if you hold a shield up here of tradition and religion and yeah, but for me to change my mind and agree with the Bible, I have to humble myself and say maybe my preacher, my pastor didn't preach all that correctly. Maybe Aunt Martha didn't know everything she needed to know. Maybe my dad that I loved, or my grandpa that I loved, or my great-grandpa that I really loved, maybe they didn't have it all correct. Maybe my family tradition isn't all that it's... That takes humility to say, I missed it in some places, but come on, let's bring this word on because I want my tradition to come down. I want my religion to come down. People, my whole life, my whole Christian life, which is almost my whole life, I have had to get up and say many times, I missed it there. I'm sorry. I've got further revelation. We didn't quite have it right last week or last month or right. And we'll continue to get revelation. We have to be willing to grow in the Word of God and admit it when we miss it. So I felt really led to start out that way this morning because when it comes to the will of the Father, we see Jesus operating in it. And most people can't even see that because of the tradition. All my life I heard Jesus was poor. And I tell you, the revelation came to me one day through good teaching and the anointing of the Holy Ghost that He was not poor. But that's for another series, another time. The only, but I'll just tell you this because already some are going, oh, she's preaching false doctrine. The only scripture that says He was poor is the one that says, when He left the glory of the Father, the glory of heaven, he came to this earth and became poor. Anytime that you're on streets of gold at the right hand of the Father with gates of pearls and you just hit this earth, you just became poor compared to that. Amen. But even the rest of that verse says, so that we could be rich or blessed. So for people to use that as their excuse, see Jesus was poor, we're supposed to be like Him. If we're going to get back to Scripture, it says, no, that's so that we can be blessed. And I don't want to get into too much of it because it's another subject, but I can prove to you he had a treasure. You don't, you don't have a treasure unless you have some treasure. Hello, I, I need you to come be on my team to take care of the bag that never has anything in it. Give me a report every day. What do we have in it today? Uh, Lord, zero. Okay, uh, now, an hour later, can you tell me what's in the bag? Uh, zero. 
What was in it yesterday? Zero. Whoa, I wonder what we can believe for tomorrow. Zero. <laughs> I'm not quite sure why you asked me to be your treasurer. He had a treasure. The treasure was embezzling and nobody even, you've got to have some big funds in the bag at times for someone to be embezzling without the others knowing it. He was in control of every situation. They never went without. 12 men left their jobs with families that were totally supported by him for, for three and a half years. My, I could go on and on and on, except that's not our subject. My point being, we don't even explore the scriptures because from the time we were little, somebody said Jesus was poor and we're supposed to be poor, so I guess we are. Then let somebody have the audacity to preach the truth of God's word and people go, oh, that, that's false doctrine. Why is that? I read you the word. Yeah, but daddy was poor and grandpa was poor and they loved God and my church is poor and my pastor's poor and I've always been poor and I love God and so we're supposed to be poor. Is that what we base it on? I don't care if I was sitting here this morning sick and dying and thank God I'm not. I would still with my last breath say he wants me healed. Amen. Instead of come up with some false humility and some false doctrine that goes with it to go, well, look at me, I love God and I'm sick, so he doesn't want us all well. Lord knows if he did, I'd be well because you know what a saint I am. <laughs> no, I am not gonna change his word to match my experience. I am going to keep preaching his word until my experience comes all the way up to that word. Amen. A mighty man of God that I respect a lot, uh, that was the leader of one of the Bible schools I went to with an international ministry, he said this. He said, I started preaching that God wants to bless you and make you a blessing. He said, when I was a young preacher that had nothing, he said, my family wasn't properly fed or, or clothed. I mean, they had enough to survive, but just barely. He said, I have four bald tires on my car and my car was so bad that I had to in a little while sell it just for junk parts. And then they even laughed at me at that and said there wasn't enough left on it even for the junkyard. But he said, my car would conk out on me and I'd have to finish walking to church. And I would get there and preach that God wants to bless us and make us a blessing. He said, you know how much you got to crucify your pride to do that? He said, my wife had to borrow a, a, a dress to go to my ordination. He had to borrow a suit. He said his was so threadbare, but he kept preaching it. He didn't change the word of God to match where he was at in life. He kept saying what the word said. And guess what? One day he became more than prosperous. And he has shared the gospel and shared food and clothing and, and with people of every race all over the world. Thank God he didn't say, well, since I'm not prospering right now, that must not be what we're supposed to do. Thank God he said, I don't care if I look like an idiot preaching this. In a day when nobody was preaching it, because most people you will find it in the Word of God. The Word of God is full from Genesis to Revelation that He wants to bless us. But when people get away from the Word and century after century keep watering it down, watering it down, watering it down, they did that with tongues. There has always been two or three people at least through every century, if you look at revival history, that spoke in tongues. But the majority didn't. So after centuries and centuries, 
pretty soon people didn't think that anybody spoke in tongues and that it wasn't for today. Then thank God, God began to raise people up to begin preaching about the gifts of the Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit until we had Azusa Street. Now that wasn't God's will for us to go that long in between without a major Pentecostal awakening and revival. It was that people kept preaching tradition and religion until people got so tired of it and a group began to get hungry again for the truth and begin to study what does the Bible have to say about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Is it for today? The next thing we know we have Azusa Street. And you and I who speak in tongues have a lot uh, to be thankful for that there was a group that stood against the tide and said, we're going to find out the truth, not just what our church teaches or not just what. So a long foundation today to get to this point. People don't even know what the ministry of Jesus was. So my goodness, we're going to explore it. Because if it's Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever, and the Lord says himself, the Father in Malachi, I am the Lord God, I change not. So if we can find out what his will was when Jesus was showing us his, his will, would his will not be the same today? Amen. It does not change. He doesn't have two or three wills for different times. How do we find out the will of the Father? I'm going to get very basic here with you. Some of you don't know me. You only know me, most of you, you only know me from what I say on here. What if you got curious about how I feel about something and you started talking to other people who've seen me on TV and you say, what do you think the will of Debbie is? What would she do in this situation? And they say, I, I think she'd do this. Actually, I've never met Debbie, but I know somebody else who went through those circumstances and this, and this is what happened to them. So that must be Debbie's will too. Or would you get in a prayer meeting and say, let's pray and see if we can find out what Debbie thinks and what she would do in this situation and how she would operate. Is that how you would find out my will? You're going to get a lot of opinions that way. Somebody in the prayer meeting is going to say, I feel she, does, she would do this. Somebody else in the prayer meeting would say, I feel she would do this. If you want to know what my will is, guess who's the person you should come and ask? Me. Not get people's opinions, not go to a, we need prayer meetings and we need to pray. Don't take this out of its context. But we're not praying to find out the will of the Father. We're praying that his will be implemented, the will that he's already given us. And yet in churches by the thousands, we've had people say, I think this is the will of the Lord. Even when you start to teach something, excuse me, I need to interrupt you. I found that not to be the case in my life or not to be the case in Aunt Martha's life. That's not what we go by. We say, God, what do you say your will is? Not what Aunt Martha says it is, not what my mom says it is, not what somebody else says it is, or even what I think it is. I'm going to ask you, what did you say? What is your will? And that's where we must go to find out the will of the Father. And then what he says settles it once and for all. That's why we tell people, look at what's in the red letters. And of course, not all of our Bibles have red letters and you don't have to have a red letter edition. My point being that those who do have a red letter edition, it's the words of Jesus. And that's a good clue to go, okay, what does he say directly? Now, concerning healing, have any of you ever heard anyone get up and say, I'm going to give you 31 biblical proofs and reasons 
that it's not God's will to heal all today. <laughs> I don't think so. In fact, I've never heard anyone get up and say, I'm going to prove to you from the scriptures with one reason or one scripture that it's not God's will to heal today. Now, I have heard people get up and say, I'm going to show you it's not God's will to heal today because I knew somebody that loved God and they were prayed for and they died. I know somebody that really loved their child and loved God and God took their child anyway for another little flower in his garden. But they have never said, I'm going to give you scripture to prove to you that it's not God's will to heal. And yet the burden of proof should lay on them, not on us, because the Bible already says what his will is. But I'm having to give you the burden of proof because we've come so far away from what the Bible says and into religion and tradition. People refuse to go to the word of God. They would rather go by what they feel, what some little voice told them and what their best friend said. Or, or how about this, by what has happened or what hasn't happened. What has happened or hasn't happened does not change the word of God. There are wars out there. That's not God's will. There are people raping people. That's not God's will. There are people uh, getting drunk and killing someone on the highway. That's not God's will. There are men beating their wives to death. That's not God's will. And we could go on and on and on. Just because something's happening out there doesn't mean it's the will of God. So again, I'm hitting that hard because those have been some of the main reasons that the truth of God's word about healing has been stolen from the church because we change our doctrine to match our experience instead of preaching the truth until our experience comes up to that. There are people who say, um, I don't believe that we tithe today because I tithe and I went bankrupt. Guess what? My Bible tells me if I'm a tither, he'll open up the windows of heaven and pour me out room where there's not, pour me out a blessing where there's not room to receive it. So should I take what happened to you or should I take what's going on here? I can't even take what happens to me. I've got to take what is going on in here until it begins to happen to me. That's what we've got to stick with. We've got to hold out for the perfect will of God. You know, I, I know a great man of God that was used mightily in the um, 40s, and he was, he was still being used till he went home to be with Jesus just a few years ago at the age of 87. But he said during that great healing wave in this nation called the Voice of Healing Days and the Healing Revival of the late 40s and early 50s, he said there was a wave of healing and a grace of healing, really a gift of the spirit of healing that was so prevalent that if people could just get on the grounds of some of these big tents, they would be healed. They would travel from other nations just knowing if I can just get there, I'll be healed. And he said people that didn't even have their doctrine straight that would be up there preaching, people would still get healed. Um, sometimes people with no faith or atheists still getting healed. It was that kind of a wave of healing. However, he went to some of those other leading evangelists in this and he told them, he said, friends, I just want to caution you and admonish you that yes, God is operating through you right now with a gift of healing. But if you don't start teaching the people what the Bible has to say about healing, and if you don't teach them how to have faith for their own healing and how to stand and having all the stands stand because it's part of redemption and it belongs to us, if you don't do that, 
when they aren't sitting under your great tent someday or they can't get to a meeting and another symptom attacks their body, they're going to die because they can't just be dependent upon getting to a place where there's somebody who flows in these gifts. He says, we need both. Yes, thank God for flowing in the gifts of the Spirit. But if you'll teach people faith and healing, if there's no gift of the Spirit in operation, they can still get healed themselves. And then he said this, and he wasn't being arrogant. He was making a point. He said, when some of you are dead and gone, I'll still be alive, walking in divine health, teaching the body of Christ that that's the will of God for us. Do you know some of those healing evangelists died in their 30s of sickness and disease? Just instantly. I believe one was 30, 33 years old or something like that, dying of a heart attack. There was one killed in a tragic car wreck very early and people were devastated. One after another, they were taken out. And then the people are like, now how are we going to get healed? But this man of God and others, but the one I'm talking about because I'm more familiar with him, just kept teaching. This is what God's word says. This is what God's word says. And 50 years later, people were still getting healed by the multitudes because they understood the word of God. So this is very, very important. In fact, another great healing evangelist, sometimes when I'm preaching in small circles, I say who it is. But on the air, I don't believe I will, but a very, very well-known healing evangelist. Some of you may even watch him on television. He actually came to Brother Kenneth Hagin a, a number of years ago, and he said, you know, we see people healed by the multitudes, but when we check up on them a year later, many times their disease or symptoms have come back on them, and this time they just stay in it and die or don't get healed. He said, I see lasting results in your meetings. Can you, can you teach me or give me some advice? And, and Brother Kenneth Hagin was honored and, and humbled at the same time, if you understand. And he said, well, yes, sir. Since you've come to me, I will tell you this. You're operating in a gift of healing, but you're not teaching the people from the word of God about healing. If you will start doing both, you will see the difference in your meetings. And I noticed that healing evangelist started teaching more after that on healing. And now he sees those outstanding results. So thank God again, even for people who are used mightily that will humble themselves and will be willing to change and will be willing to say, Lord, I see, even though you were using me here, I missed it here. And for the sake of your people, as well as myself, continue to teach me. Let me be quick to repent, quick to turn, quick to change and quick to come up higher. Now, in this lesson, I have spent the entire time laying down the foundation of why we're going to hit this hard, the ministry of Jesus Christ. And in the next lesson, we're going to start showing you what did he do? How did he heal? And you're going to be surprised at many things that you find here. And we have more great things to come here for a number of weeks. So please stay tuned in. God bless you. Be healed in Jesus' name. Hello everyone, this is Dr. Debbie Rich. I trust that you enjoyed this podcast and that it is a life-changing experience for you. And there are more great podcasts to come. And hopefully you will join us for each and every one. God bless.